Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. God gave me a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. You're a Ferrari too. When God made you, he had all the options put on. You are fully loaded and totally equipped. So do this with me. Where did we ever come up with the style of preaching we have today? There is some entertaining preaching, but not convicting preaching, and the legacy has been tragic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Care for a little flashback, Scarecrow? A report out today says that the number of gang members have increased 65% in the past year. Once again today in Northern Ireland with the mother news, the Drug Enforcement Agency seized 20 kilos of pure cocaine. Where is the hope? Where is the hope? I meet millions who tell me that they feel demoralized by the decay around us. Where is the hope? Where is the hope? The hope that each of us have is not in who governs us or what laws are passed or or what great things we do as a nation. Our hope is in the power of God working through the hearts of people. And that's where our hope is in this country. That's where our hope is in life. This is Wretched Radio decades ago. Cholson. That's how you pronounce Chuck Olson's name from Brickpoint Ministries. He was Mr. Prison Fellowship. He knows full well what it's like to be in prison because he was a member, a lawyer for Richard Nixon, was thrown into the hooskow for the shenanigans surrounding Watergate. He done got saved in prison. And he recognized people not only in prison, but people out in the streets lacking hope. Lo and behold, 30 years later, give or t- I think that 25, 30 years later, after this Stephen Curtis Chapman Heaven in the Real World song featured that clip from Cholson, there's even more hopelessness. This is where it can get tricky for the Christian. Do we want to be wise as serpents and recognize the world is hurting and hopeless? Absolutely. Do we want to offer Jesus as a cure for their hopelessness? That's the answer. We don't want to make the gospel come to Jesus and you'll have hope. But we have to recognize hope most certainly is a part of the gospel, isn't it? You've got hope, don't you? You can't wait to get to heaven because you don't have a cross your fingers, hope to die, stick a needle in your eye kind of hope. You've got a sure promise. I'm going to a better place to be with the best entity in the universe. I know it. That's that's the difference between Christian hope and, ooh, I hope that Wimbledon doesn't get rained out this year. Christian hope is a verity. It's a certainty. We have it. The world lacks it. And unfortunately, too many Christians lack it. And we want to be aware of that. And we want to let people know that hope can be found in Jesus Christ alone an abiding steadfast hope in Christ alone. But we don't want people to come to Jesus merely to have hope, but that isn't to suggest they can't come to Jesus because they do need hope. That's a fine line. Let's be aware of people's hopelessness. Let's not cross the line and turn the gospel into a felt needs presentation. But having said that, people have felt needs, don't they? Now, you use those two words together, and they do have some historical meaning. 
Felt needs means find out the itch that people have and then scratch it. That that's uh, that that was a trend that is unfortunately still alive and too well today and has resulted in myriads of false conversions. So you want to be careful even as you use the term felt needs, but we got them, don't we? And just because we're afraid of falling into a ditch of the felt needs nonsense that was used as a seeker sensitive tool to just get people to come to church. I don't think that that means we shouldn't be talking about God and what he does for us in Christ. In addition to forgiveness of sins, there is so much to boast about. There is so much we can tell people, hey, you don't have a future. You don't have a hope. Jesus offers that. Two, you're afraid Jesus can calm the storms, maybe not of your life, but of your heart. Two, you need companion. You feel lonely. Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He offers that too. By the way, I was just discussing this. The reason that we see the story in the Exodus, among other things, is the, 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 the incredible detail that Moses gives regarding the Jews and their response to God. If, if, if you recall, God did a couple of things that were pretty spectacular, not the least of which would be 10 plagues, not the least of which would be, you know, parting a sea, washing out the Egyptian army. And what do we see immediately? It starts in Exodus 15. Grumble, grumble. Hey, Moses. Hey, Moses. See, that's why that's why they cast. Oh, what was the name of the guy uh, 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 the, in the in the Ten Commandments? Edward G. Robinson. Hey, where's your Moses now? See, that's because that's the way they talked. Hey, where's our fruit and vegetables now? See, we don't got no meat. See, and they complained immediately. And then God provides water. What do they do? Complain. So God provides more water. They don't have bread. What do they do? complain rather than remembering God's amazing feats, demonstrating that he is powerful and he will take care of his people. Instead of saying, Lord, um, we're a little concerned about water. Can you point us in the right direction here or, or help us with water? No, they were murmurers. They were an obstinate people. Moses delivers the people out of the hand of Pharaoh. God provides food and water. They saw 10 plagues. Their kids lived while the Egyptian firstborn didn't. And now they're complaining, even as Moses goes up the mountain to cut a covenant, a Mosaic covenant, where the children of Israel would be blessed if they adhered to this covenant. He's on the mountain. God is giving the covenant and down the hill, what's going on? The Jewish people are making a golden idol. Aaron, what a mystery. Aaron, who didn't have the same divine encounters that God had, nevertheless was selected to be the mouthpiece of Moses. And he saw the miracles. He saw the plagues. And he saw God redeem the people. And what does he do? He helps fashion the cow. And he was the one who, 
it's just unmistakable in the text. He's like, yeah, let's do an offering now to our God who delivered us out of Egypt. What in the world do we see? If you think that their lack of trust and faithfulness was terrible, fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus is telling the disciples, you're all going to just flee. You're, you're just going to skedaddle. They're going to come and get me, and you are going to hightail it. And what does Peter say? Oh, no, not me. I'll never abandon you. And the disciples chime in. Neither will we. Immediately. And the, he gets arrested. They all flee. <laughs> and then we read the details of Peter's heartbreaking denial of Jesus Christ, just as he promised. So if you think the faithlessness of the Jewish people, was terrible. Look at the disciples. They saw more miracles than the Jews and Aaron did because Jesus was doing them constantly. So why do we have those stories in the Bible? Take your concordance and look up the word faithfulness. And you will find dozens and dozens of dozens of verses that have even been turned into hymns. Great is thy faithfulness. Because that's that's actually a psalm that God is faithful. God never abandons. God is closer than a brother. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Humans are fickle and cowardly. Jesus is constant and courageous, and he'll never flee. When the chips are down, you can count on him being there. The disciples weren't faithful. Jesus is. And what did Jesus say? Even when he told them that I'm, you're going to abandon me. Hey, meet me in Galilee. And what does he do? He restores Peter with his threefold question after his threefold denial. Why? Because Jesus knew they were going to break his heart. But he was still going to be faithful to them. Have people betrayed you? Hmm? Wanting somebody who's faithful, you've got it in the person of Jesus Christ. We've got that message for a world that is hopeless. We have something that they can cling to and find comfort in. We've got to do it carefully. But might I suggest that we do it and recognize that people do have genuine felt needs? Aren't we all needy? Aren't we all scared? Aren't we all concerned, confused, not knowing what to do? Aren't we all needing something in some way, shape, or form, whether it's community, companionship, whether it's just being plugged into something, being able to do something greater than a... It's all there in Jesus Christ. 30 years ago, give or take, Cholson recognized world is lacking hope. And who exactly is Jesus Christ? He is our hope. Might I encourage you to find somebody? You don't need to ask them if they're hopeless because they probably are. Don't need to ask them if they're scared because they probably are. And maybe you will discover what I've been discovering and what other evangelists have been discovering. Remember Mark Spence encountering this even in Europe? People want something sure. People want something solid. People want hope. Let them know they can have it in Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe. 
But now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today. And even though you know what I'm about to say, I'm going to say it anyway. We appreciate you. You know, every day we set out to reach millions of people all over the world with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we couldn't do that without you. Sure, we have biblically sound and gospel-centered productions like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Shift to Truth and Transform, but we can't produce those biblically sound and gospel-centered productions without your support. And we want to take things to the next level and reach even more people. When you become an ongoing monthly gospel partner, you join us in these efforts to spread the gospel to millions all over the world. And hey, I don't want to put you on a guilt trip, but did you know that 70% of kids leave the faith when they enter college? So I'm asking for your prayerful consideration in becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. Just visit wretched.org donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. So, you're not convinced of the importance of training men to rightly divide the word of truth and fill pulpits internationally? Fine. Then we'll let Paul Washer convince you. It is so important, not just important, it's absolutely essential to have a trained expositor of the scripture in every church. When we read through the book of Acts, we can see that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ, advances as the word of God advances. Would you please consider joining the Master's Academy International in filling empty pulpits with men who can exposit the scriptures and advance the kingdom of God It's a magnificent ministry with a generational impact. Please learn more about supporting TMAI at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor for the Master's Academy International. Important dates in Christian history. 387 A.D. Augustine of Hippo is converted. His writings became bedrock for the Middle Ages and were influential in the Reformation. The Confessions and City of God are still read by many. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. A detransitioning transgender person walks into your church and you say, What? This is Wretched Radio, a growing number of people who bought the lie of the world and medical professionals and their educators that promised them, hey, if you're feeling confused about your gender, we'll just mutilate your body with a scalpel and you'll feel better. And now if you get your credit card ready, we will start writing you up over here and you can begin financially supporting. You can begin your transition process. And they do. They buy the lie. And they do terrible things to their bodies. And then something happens. 
they realize they were confused. That number is increasing. People who are detransitioning from the transition that they were promised would bring them happiness are now realizing I've made a horrible mistake and they're starting to walk into our churches and they are confused. They feel shame. They are most certainly lacking hope and they are looking for a place to go that will feel safe will offer them truth, and will help them to heal. Are we ready? Thank you to David for sending this to idea at wretched.org. These are quotes from detransitioning people. I couldn't really fathom the full picture of things. I'm still experiencing a wide range of complications from the surgery. I'll never be able to breastfeed. On top of that, I do hate to speak about it. I'm experiencing sexual dysfunction at the age of 18. How was I supposed to know? They were lied to. They were confused. They needed truth. They got lies. Another writes, well, I learned my lesson, but my body parts are never coming back. It's much more of a profound loss than I have ever liked. It's the worst mistake that I've ever made in my life before, ever. I felt I absolutely ruined my life. Another writes, I really haven't felt like myself since I was 13 or 14. I keep trying to figure myself out and find myself, but I think that I had left myself behind all those years ago. I hate what my body looks like and what I've done to it. Even if I put in the effort to detransition, it wouldn't change the fact I lost who I should have been, who I was meant to be. Existing like this is so painful. Not uncommon. I believe his name is Walt Heyer, is one of those fellows who realized that was a wrong decision and has detransitioned, to use their vernacular. And now he's letting people know, oh, this is this is not the right path. Give it time. You'll work through it. And for those who didn't give it time, who were lied to and mutilated, what does Christianity have to offer them? How will we treat these people when they walk in our doors? Pastor, this this might be something for you to consider. And we always want to be mindful. There's a, there's a fine balance in speaking truth in love and not watering it down so much for those who are not experiencing that particular phenomenon, but still being sensitive. I, 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 I remember this years ago, years and years ago, doing stand-up comedy. If I remember the details, somebody was, was on stage and they started doing jokes about cancer. And I watched this family get up and leave crying because they brought dad there who had cancer just to have a laugh. Okay, I, another example, I'm not saying these are all at the same degree and level. But you, you see these these companies now, if you find Mother's Day to be painful, let us know and we'll take you off of our Mother's Day ads so that you don't have to be reminded. Well, they just did. But nevertheless, OK, and is that a hypersensitivity? Most likely, I don't know their hearts. But does that mean we don't want to be thoughtful? Pastor, be mindful. You've got people in your congregation most certainly these days 
that are struggling with some sort of sexual identity, a, a, a sexual urge that they perhaps don't want. We've got to be thinking about those folks without watering it down. Good luck with that, sir. <laughs> that ain't no easy task. Perhaps this will be helpful. Again, my thanks to David. Now, it depends, of course, on if the person has repented, put their trust in Jesus Christ. But even if they had, they've got these lingering reminders. This is more than a tattoo that you got in a harbor as a sailor when you got loaded one night. That, that, can, that can be a painful reminder of a past life. How's about you've been mutilated by a medical professional? How's about being able to say to somebody who professes now to be a Christian that God has totally and completely forgiven you in Christ for your past, present, and future sins? No condemnation. That we let them know, hey, hey, that was bad. Where sin abounded, super abounds. You need to let them know that. You are no less of a Christian, even if you don't feel or look like how you would without the initial transition. It doesn't matter what you look like. You're still a Christian. There are no degrees of Christians. There isn't the non-abortion Christian and the abortion Christian. Nope, you're a Christian. Gone, gone, gone. Totally, complete. Doesn't matter what you've done to yourself in this regard. You're a Christian. Completely. Just like everybody else in this building. And you don't have to slink around. And, and you don't have to think, well, I probably shouldn't go to the men's event because they're going to think that I'm not really a man because of what I, wrong, wrong, wrong. I love being able to, there are times when you can be nasty with your wrong, but there's sometimes when it's really good, isn't it? You're just wrong. Oh, you're so wrong. And that's so good. You could tell them God does not love you any less because of what has been done to your body. God doesn't love you any as you were confused. God doesn't love you any less because you were being very sinful in your motivations and in your observations. Here's another promise we can give. God's going to give you a new body. Hey, how's about them apples? God's going to give you an eternal body. And whether you have any sort of physical reminders of that, you're going to be a whole body. So whatever was cut off will be restored for you. And you can look forward to that because here's another promise. You're a new creation in Christ. You are not what you once thought you were. You weren't a transgender person, a transsexual person, whatever the spectrum is. And I just saw this on not the B that there's now that they've got, they've got it like a gender sphere or a gender cube. Sounds like just an infinite number of genders that exist. And they talk as if they actually think it's true. Nevertheless, that's not what you are anymore. So whatever it is that you was, you ain't. How's about you are God's work created in Christ Jesus for good works. You still have use in the kingdom. We need to let people know that. And if we're even witnessing, we can let people know that. Again, I fully recognize the challenge to not offering Jesus as you're going to feel better about yourself. But that is the reality. That is just the reality. And we're not going to not 
talk about all of the in Christ, because somebody might think that we are offering a felt needs gospel. I reject the whole felt needs principle and church growth ideology. But we can't deny people have felt needs. You could use these same promises in evangelizing somebody. Did you know that if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, Colossians 2 tells us all of your sins, past, present, future, they get nailed to that tree. They're gone. They are taking care of all of it. Did you know that about Jesus Christ? Did you know that he's a super forgiver? Not just a begrudging forgiver. No, no, no. He loves it. He can't wait to forgive sinners like you. And you can be no less of a Christian regardless of what you've done to yourself. You can be 100% in Christ. And God will love you just as much as he loves every other believer, which is as much as he loves the son. Did you know that Christ offers you that love? Did did you know that you, by humbling yourself, repenting of your sins and putting your trust in Jesus Christ, that you can have your sins forgiven and you can look forward to having a new body? Did Did you know that? Did you know that if you will repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ, you'll have a new identity and that you will have a menu of good works that God has prepared for you to step into? Would you like all of that? It's found in one person, the Lord Jesus Christ. My transgender friend, I don't know what you're waiting for. Whatever state you happen to be currently in, whatever phase you find yourself, all of these promises, they're for you. So might I encourage you to make the transition from darkness to light, from death to life, from hopelessness to being overflowing with hope. This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News break here on Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. First up today, the American Life League's Stop International. That's a mouthful, but that organization has revealed that the top CEO at Planned Parenthood receives a whopping $616,000 annually to murder babies. That's right, an organization that's already receiving nearly $700 million in taxpayer money, paying their top CEO $616,000 per year. But hey, who am I to question the motives of Planned Parenthood? And moving across the Atlantic, our hearts are heavy with news from Nigeria, where 46 Christians were ruthlessly killed in a terrorist attack earlier this month. Islamic Fulani herdsmen have taken credit for the murders of the Christians. And we ask you all the time here at Wretched, and we're going to ask you again right now to please make sure that you're continuing to pray fervently for all of our persecuted brothers and sisters abroad. Moving to Florida, the ACLU finds itself in a bit of hot water after defending a pedophile and murderer. The pedophile and murderer in question, Dwayne Owen, who was recently executed. The ACLU alleged that Owen was denied medically necessary gender-affirming care, which supposedly constitutes cruel and unusual punishment. And without going into gruesome detail, Owen's victims, because again, remember I said he was a pedophile and a murderer, his victims weren't considered here in the ACLU statement. No, no, just just him himself. Guess it's easy to overlook some victims, 
when recognizing their existence really doesn't feed your narrative. Well, it looks like Anheuser-Busch, you know, the makers of Bud Light, have started to come around. We'll see if that happens, but uh, they're waking up to their harsh reality that their sales have plummeted more than 25% after their partnership with Dylan Mulvaney. CEO Brendan Whitworth said, quote, They hear consumers, and they're promising that they will focus on what they do best, which is brewing great beer. Well, that's an oxymoron because I've never tasted a beer that was great, but that's probably just a personal preference. Anyway, Whitworth's statement included no apology or mention of their controversial decision, so we'll just have to wait to see where it goes from here. Of course, they're apologizing and reversing course. They don't want to continue to lose money, but they're not going too far with it because they don't want to face the backlash that Target did for reversing course. It really does pay for businesses to stay in their realm and just make and sell products and not get involved in the public narrative. I think you have a lot more success that way. But again, hey, who am I? I'm just a radio host. And that's going to do it for today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. Second Samuel tells about King David's reign over Israel. Even though David was a man after God's heart, he still gave in to temptation and suffered bitter consequences. Yet David repented of his sin and was forgiven by God. Remember, there is only one perfect and faultless king, Jesus Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. If you're looking for a bad illustration... You've come to the right place. (laughs) This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, I'm reworking the book that I wrote. It was originally intended to be a teleological treatise. Uh What what is reality? How does it work? The institutions, the realms, the things that people do and believe. What's the point of all of this? So I'm trying to rework it to be more about how all of life is about Jesus Christ. All of it. Every single thing. How do I know? Because God says so. That that he is, go read it, it's four, five times in Ephesians 1, 2, and I think into 3. Five times. Paul, it's like he just is, it's like, will you get it? You get, do you understand now? That he sent his son to save people by grace alone, through faith alone, to the praise and glory of his name. That's the point. That's why the calendar split. The most important event in human history was the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And and because that's that's the pinnacle of human history, because that is what God is doing, hence teleology. But I wanted to take it a step further to say, so what does that look like? Okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of like when you hear that sermon, it's all about the gospel. Don't you just love the gospel? The gospel. We just love it. Okay. Why? Preach it. Furthermore, what does that look like? You got to live a gospel-centered life. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Uh, How do I do that? And so I'm talking to a 
I'm trying to think of what might be the best descriptor for Tom Hammond. <laughs> I've got plenty. I was <laughs> I'm talking to Tom and I was I said, I need I need to help color this a little bit. Do you have an illustration? Because the my my operating framework, believe it or not, from the guy who is the biggest Luddite in the history of electronics and computers, hardwired. I think that's that's currently the title of it. Hardwired. Christianity is not an app. It's an operating system. And I've been working with that. And for the most part, it kind of works, but it limps a little bit because it isn't entirely perfect. So I said, "Okay, Tom, what 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 illustration would you give? And in typical Tom fashion, he's the fellow who wrote What Time is Purple and Solving the God Puzzle. Well done, everybody. You gave away two million copies of those bad boys. Outstanding. Well, I'd have to say that the Christian life, it's like soup. Oh, boy. Here we, this should just be brilliant. Really, Tom, why, why would you be like soup? Well, you got vegetables, you got alphabets, maybe you got pasta in there. But it's all swimming in broth. Christianity is the broth. Everything in life, it's just, it's just saturated with Christianity. Not sure that one's going to make it into the book, but there's some truth in it. That's what Christianity is supposed to be, an all-encompassing, all-consuming everything. That, that your life isn't an app. I'm, I'm, I'm visiting this now. I, I, need, I need the marriage app, so I'm going to go read Love Languages. I, I, I need, oh, wait a second, the Bible has something? Okay, I'll, I'll turn on my Bible app, and I'm going to read Ephesians, that marriage is a picture of the gospel. Okay, got it. Close the app, and then get back to living. No. Now, I will confess. Jimmy, hold on one second. Just, I just need to warm up for, hold on. <laughs> Almost. Oh, 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 there you go. Oh, patting yourself on the back a little bit because <laughs> I thought somebody could tag me and go, wait a second. Are you telling me that chewing my food is about Jesus Christ? Yes. And I thought of an illustration that actually works. Huh. I don't know why we're talking about this now. It's nowhere near finished. It has to be edited. Hoping to get it up by the end of the year. The point is, I came up with an illustration way better than Hammond's, which I think is going to be pretty obvious. Imagine a soldier. The soldier, he makes his way to the base. He goes through training. He learns marching. He learns how to shoot. Do they still have guns in the American military? <laughs> that close. That trigger the soldiers in high heels. Okay. So he, so he goes to the mess and he eats. He gets his hair cut, makes his bed so you can flip a coin on it. And then he marches off to war. And let's just say he takes out a tank. All right. Question. Would he get credit for taking out the tank? You go, Yeah. Would he get credit for winning the war? No, he contributed to it. All right. But he wouldn't have gotten to the tank if he hadn't gone through training, if he hadn't done the marching drills, if he hadn't learned how to shoot or do explosives. So those things contributed to what we see as a visual, visual or tangible working of God in a way. They contribute to the glory of God. They, they don't constitute it. But everything that the soldier did was brought to that moment. 
So those things contributed. Therefore, they are a part of the blowing up of the tank. And the same thing is true for you. You're chewing your food. What are you doing? You're taking God's good gift. Hopefully you thanked him for it. Oh, there's glorifying God. You're tasting it and enjoying it. Mm, I'm starting to feel satisfied and even a little bit nappy. What do you do? So you're thanking God while you're eating the food. And that food is now going to be used for you to go about the business of serving your king. So it does glorify God when you're chomping away. Everything does. Why? Because that's what God is doing. That's that's all he's doing. When I say all makes it sound like it's well. All he's doing is bringing glory to himself through the redemptive work of his son. That's all. He, but that's exclusively what everything is about. And everything contributes to it, even if you're not mindful of it. The soldier, when he's running the thing and climbing over the wall through the mud and underneath the ropes, does it look like he is somehow participating in the victory? No, he's doing training. But the training prepared him for his work. So it is all a part of glorifying God. The problem for most of us seems to be, I'm not mindful of that. Now, here's where we can go into a ditch. And I'm working on another illustration, by the way, Jimmy. I'm not sure this one's going to be any better. It's not quite a two-sided coin because you've got the, you've got the one ditch that says, okay, you, you want to be consumed by what God is doing. Go to a monastery or the contemplative life. Or, or you you just walk around with your head in the clouds and all you do is think about God, think about God, think about God. Uh, that's that's a ditch. That's the that's a side of a coin. On the other side, you've got well, I just visit my Christianity when needed. That that's both of those are ditches. The Christian life. Let's try this. You don't live a Christian life. You live life as a Christian. Do you feel that difference? Now, probably poke holes in that, but there's there's not a Christian life. Like every, we've got some sort of formula that we use. No, we live as Christians. So what does that mean? So, so, so how, how often then am I supposed to be in touch with God? Much as you want to. And I, I think this illustration, the marriage illustration is helpful. How often do you talk to your spouse? All right, let's just say you're in the kitchen, you're making stuff, you're chit-chatting about the day. I think everybody would go, oh, look at that. They're, they're being mindful of one another. But she says, oh, honey, um, we need something. It's down in the basement. He goes and gets it. He's not talking to her. He's just running a little chore. Comes back. While he was gone, would you say that he was not, married because he wasn't talking to her. And the same thing is true with God. If, if you're going about your task, you're waking up and saying, Lord, this is for you during the day. Lord, help me to do this for your glory and for your honor. When you are, are needing his help, ask him. When you want to thank him, thank him, praise him, praise him. And don't be confused into thinking, oh, but it's just got to it's got to be 24 seven. It is 24 seven, but it doesn't look like a contemplative or a watchman knee sort of life where that's you just got to be. I'm thinking about I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about Jesus. I'm thinking about Jesus. No, that's not normative. That's you think about Jesus when you think about Jesus and then go about his business. 
That's living life as a Christian, not living some sort of monkish contemplative life with some formula or or the the what is it, the radical Christian? Oh, you got you got to be doing it like that, or you've got to be like the Amish. You got to do it like that. You've if you're going to be like a real Christian, you can't be living in this. That's the Christian life. No, that's 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 not it. You live life in the 21st century where you are as a Christian. And that is what it looks like to have God, Christianity, your faith hardwired and not merely an app. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was a number of illustrations. Yeah, that was okay. I prefer soup. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. All of that, and it comes back to Campbell's. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. You know, what used to be a movie is now our sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Sorry to ask you to do some arithmetic, but this is some math that will encourage you and make you very, very happy. This is one testimony of a mother who chose life because she saw her own baby, courtesy of an ultrasound from Preborn. I was terrified. I really didn't know what to do. The first time I saw the ultrasound, I was just amazed. I was like, oh my gosh, is that my baby? And I, like, I heard her heartbeat and I, I just, I just fell in love. If I could care about my daughter this much, if I could love my daughter this much, how much does God love me? Now take that one testimony and multiply it by 54,253 because that is the number of babies that were saved last year because of ultrasounds 
at preborn centers. Would you please help us grow that number by providing as many ultrasounds as possible at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Titles of Christ. In the Bible, Jesus is given many titles that teach us about who he is and what he has done. Jesus is called the Advocate. When we as God's redeemed people sin, Jesus is our Advocate before the Father. It is on the basis of Christ's righteousness that we are saved, not our own works. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Radio. Take it away, Jimmy. Too late. This is Wretched Radio. Let's take a look at some church news. Hey, how's about this? Let's go to the Philippines. <laughs> this is interesting. People inside of a really good church, they don't have a MacArthur Study Bible. Hi, I am Faye Abigail Torres Pasha, and I grew up in a church in Bulacan and got saved when I was 16 years old. The John MacArthur Study Bible would really be a great help for me to really dig deeper into the Word, to minister and encourage the younger women in our church. Sure wish you could see these faces, but you can hear the voices of believers in Philippines. They're in good churches and they don't have a MacArthur Study Bible. And we're partnering with the Masters Academy International to send 10,000 of them. And we're really, really close. Could you help? My name is Genesis Tiglao and I became a Christian back in 2019. How the John MacArthur Study Bible can help me. I believe it will help me in my uh, study, personal devotions, and also being to faithfully preach the word to those who might need to hear it. See, that's th- this is why this is going to be a generational campaign. This, the effects of this will be felt for generations because these are people in good churches. They're sitting under good teaching and they're teaching the kids, but they don't have a study Bible. Uh, let alone commentary. They don't have a study Bible. If you would like to help bless our brothers and sisters in churches in the Philippines, please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible. Maybe we should go to Scotland next, Jimmy, with the T. Is TMA, would you look up TMAI.org? Do they yes. have a mini seminary in Scotland? Because I got to tell you, Scotland needs one. I know that there's some good brothers over there. They're doing some good work and there are some good churches. But check out this stat. The Church of Scotland lost over half of its membership since 2000. Oh, and the average age of the worshiper at a Church of Scotland church is 62. Tick, tick, tick. In 2021, there were only 283,000 members. That is a 4.6 decline, 0.6% decline since 2020. That is huge. Not only that, they don't have pastors in the pulpits. So there aren't even, the churches are there. They're getting turned into mosques and bars. I was talking to Steve Lawson. Hold on one second. Just got to. 
Okay. Had to pick up that name I just dropped. We were talking about this statistic, and Steve Lawson, he's a Scot, I believe. He, he No, he should be Scandinavian. This Steve had a DNA test. We need to get him that 23andMe business going. I'm not sure he knows what he actually is. He said, this church, the Church of Scotland is dead. In fact, then he said, it's doubly dead. And unless something big happens in Scotland, well, then don't worry. You won't have to hear John Knox spinning in his grave like a lathe because, well, his grave has been covered up with tar because he's now buried underneath a parking lot. Jimmy, does TMAA have one in Scotland? Uh, maybe. It's not listed. It does say some schools are not listed for security reasons. So, so. We well, I doubt Scotland. Well, maybe Scotland would be one of those. We've been hearing more stories of Christians that don't get treated well for their beliefs. The vast majority of the church's ministers are over the age of 50. That within a decade, look out, mass retirement is coming. Church attendance stood at around 60,000 in 2021. There's some good work being done there, but wow, Scotland, how far it has fallen from being the nation of the thundering Scot. We need to, you know what we need to do? We what? need to send a strongly worded letter to John MacArthur and Mark Tatlock and tell them, get on it in Scotland. I'm on it. You know what? Okay. I recognize the sacrifice that I am about to, to offer. I am willing to go help in Scotland. If, if the Masters Academy is willing to start one up over there, then I'll do it. You will. I'll go. Although that haggis business... <laughs> Not going to make that kind of sacrifice. How's about in America? People are claiming because of a huge study that was done that the churches are shrinking. Christianity is collapsing because of absent fathers. Now, none of us knows for sure. Marriage rates, we know this. Marriage rates have dropped 31 percent. Woofda, down 61 percent since 1970. Less than half of all adults under 30 today grew up in a home with married parents. That's that ain't good for a nation. And people are saying, see, that's why the church is shrinking, because it is statistically observable that when dad gets saved, he does lead the family. Far more so. Sorry, mom, but far more so than when mom gets saved. I can't remember this study specifically, but if mom gets saved in a pagan home, about 8% of the family tends to follow. Dad gets saved and it's like 94%. Why? Well. They follow their their dad and, and, and they see a man who's willing to say, I surrender all to the God man, Jesus Christ. It has a massive impact. So I get that. But having said that, I think it could actually be argued. The reason that the fatherless rate is so low is because of the state of the church. I think the church comes first in informing us about the effects of our culture and the decline that we're seeing. Which came first, the LGBTQ movement or weak churches or, or, or churches that compromised on, for instance, the role of women in the church? I would suggest to you, rather than saying if we just had more fathers, our churches would be stronger. If we had stronger churches, we'd have more fathers. And we'd see more married couples. It's amazing. The institution of marriage, it's bound to work. It's got to, it's, it's going to be a good thing. Even when the pagans do it, they were talking, there was a big study 
ah, uh, begins with the letter C. I can't remember the organization. Big one. They had colored graphs and everything. So these must be accurate statistics. They, they were saying things like that people who just shack up are 42% less happy than married couples. What? How could what? But they're, they're doing the same thing. No, they're not. They're not in a one flesh union. They're shacking up, but they're not married. They haven't covenanted. Whether they were cognizant, they were making a vow before God till death do them part. And God blesses that. Of course, it's going to be better. And by the way, I received an email from somebody. We did a little bit of an exchange, very thoughtful and helpful. Uh, He said, I think when you were talking, when I was talking about marriage, I made it sound like being single is bad. And I don't ever want to give that impression because I don't think that's right. Paul extols the benefits of being single. So here's a here's a challenge for you. Pastor, if you've got this sorted, let me know. I think that it's safe to say that marriage is is the normative that that we are clinging to another. We are we tend individually uh, to need another. That's the whole premise of marriage, a one flesh union, because it's not good for man or woman to be alone. So we want to promote marriage and we want to speak highly about marriage without making singles feel bad. Uh, I don't know how to do that exactly. I think we should be encouraging people to get married because that's normative. But having said that, let's not look at the single people and tisk tisk them. I, I would still be inclined to ask them why it is that they're in that state. Have they considered the blessings and the benefits of marriage? Do they know what they could get from that and how good it is for them and how it can be a picture of the gospel? Nine micro stressors for a pastor might be something for you to consider just in case you're one of them stressors. The decision-making micro stresses. This is according to Thom Rayner. A lot of polling going on. That, that he just has to make so many decisions. He's fatigued. The critical comments micro stresses. It's all that he hears. The emotional extremes micro stresses. So he goes to the birth of a baby and then to the funeral of a teenager. The theologian in residence micro stresses, bombarded with biblical questions, pastoral care, deadlines, then the not omnicompetent micro stressors. You got, wait a minute, what do you mean you don't know how to fix the toilet? You're the pastor. The family failures micro stressors and the bill payment micro stressors. He's, he's, got, a, he's got the ones we've got, right? We just don't want to contribute to that. And furthermore, Pastor, I do need to do a shout out on the other side of my mouth. Um, it could be that if you're feeling all of this, that maybe some structural engineering needs to take place because the pastor shouldn't be underneath all of this. The pastor should be equipping us to do the work of the church. He shouldn't be doing all of it. So, Pastor, if you are, I would really strongly encourage you to start moving toward the body, acting like the body, so that you're not underneath all those micro stressors. Might want to think about doing that, and let's make sure we're not contributing to our pastor's micro or macro stressors. And until tomorrow, go serve your king.